When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash hack it out. Just go to Indeed.com slash hack it out right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash hack it out. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the Hack It Out Golf Podcast. Myself, Greg Chalmers, and New Stagner, as always. Today, we're talking when should you take a golf lesson? So when's the best time? Like, when should you time it relative playing good and bad? Those kind of ideas. It's a really common question I've had over the years um, from students. Um, one I still get now, so we're going to deal with it, chat about it. It'll be interesting to see what Lou and Greg have got to say on taking lessons. Welcome, guys. Uh, taking lessons, um, something that we've all done. You've got a coach, Greg, as well, haven't you? Uh, you've had a coach for a while, like the same one, have you? Yeah, yeah. Same. But work, I work with John Sinclair, as a guy down in Fort Worth. And, yeah, I know. You know yeah, I, I'm, John, as yeah. I've gotten a little older, I haven't seen him as much as I haven't really needed to. So, yeah, it's be interesting chat. Yeah, cool. And, Lou, I know you've taken many lessons, I think, over the years. No, you not, certainly not- not no, too sorry. many. Yeah, no, the opposite. You, but you're doing some online ones now with a coach. Yeah, I've been working. Drop his name in. Why yeah, Jason. You... Well, I got to be careful. Um, I'm going to drop his name, but um, um, I, I don't want to. Like, he's he's really he's got his back against the wall with me, so I don't want his work <laughs> with me to be a reflection of how good of a teacher. Yeah. He's an excellent <laughs> teacher. He's fantastic, Jason Giesbrecht. He's um, based out of Canada, and uh, we've been working together online and. He's, he's awesome, uh, but he has a challenging, challenging student in front of him. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I hear what you're saying. So let's talk about when's the best time to take a lesson. I used to get asked this question so often with students. Uh, and one of my initial answers, and it proved true quite a lot of the time, is if you're asking that question, should we go and do it now? It's like it was almost a precursor to them asking for help without asking for help because golfers can be a little bit shy sometimes and you know even when you get them into your lesson bay you can see them thinking i don't want to look stupid in a lesson and i remember just saying to students there's nothing you can do that's stupid like i've seen everything i've seen someone pick it up the wrong way around like like you can't i've seen everything just do what you do and we'll try and help you um so when it comes to taking a lesson that was often one of the precursors for me getting them in like i used to think if they're asking that they probably want one and they're just not quite sure how to ask it um but obviously then as they started having lessons it was a common then lead on question when should i have my next one how often should i have them should i have them when i'm playing good when i'm playing bad those kind of ideas um let's start with you greg what was what was your lesson premise when you were taking more lessons and obviously competing at your height 
was it a set date? I'll see my coach every month. Was it when you were playing bad? Was there a system to when you took them? How did you, how did it work for you? Yeah, I probably went through a phase in my career, uh, Mark, where I was over taught or over worried yeah. about what my technique looked like rather yeah. than what the ball flight looked like. Um, I really got really invested in making this and Australians, we kind of do this. We get more into like a pretty golf swing and, and, and rather than, hey, what did we shoot last week? You know, we, yeah. we get really into the technique and I didn't really need to do that. I wasn't that kind of player looking back. Um, so I would get, uh, it wasn't uncommon for me to send a swing to my coach every week that I was practicing on video. If I didn't see him, I'd be videoing. He was in Australia and he'd come over and, and see me um, and other players. But, and then always found lessons like working on your game the week of tournaments was a waste of time. Um, so I don't yeah. do that anymore. I see my coach... Good very fleetingly on the road. Um, I probably would rather see him on a week off, but now as I'm older, it's a vastly different idea. I, we're not rebuilding anything. We just kind of look at it. I send him a swing once every month and say, what do you think? And if I really desperate, I go see him, you know, and I, but I also don't need all that feedback anymore. I've kind of yeah. got an idea of what I need to do and work on, but yeah, it's um, there was a point there I'm sure, where I should have just said, what are we doing? You know, we're actually playing. All right. Stop getting lessons. Um, yeah, and I, I I got overtaught essentially. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting what you say there because I mean I know lots of tour coaches I've spoke to over the years and still do now, and the amount of them that would say like they hated going on tour weeks like that week of the event like they just hated it because right. you get you get the mixture of the ones who want a magic fix and there's no magic fix so you get the ones who are like going just take a look I'm I just take a look and like as if they want some magic dust. So you can't do anything with them. You're literally using cliches or just phrases to try and get them to almost find a feeling that they think then makes them play better. And there's no even quantification as if that was the, that was the words or sentence that did it. Do you know what I mean? Because they were it was all eyeballing. They weren't even measuring it. Um, and then you get the students there as well who do want to start thinking about building or rebuilding. It's like we can't... It's Monday or Tuesday. You're playing Thursday. If we start like trying to redo things here, you are gonna be struggling like nobody's business. Right. And I do think sometimes it's where I, I get comments online and people send me uh, certain pictures, videos, or even just ask me certain questions. And I think the fact they're asking that question shows that they have a disproportional understanding of what help I can give. Does that make any sense? So it's like Funny, they would say, if I take the club back over my right shoulder and my lead hand is extended two degrees and then when I come down, I feel like it's flattening and then as I go through the ball, it extends. And, and I used to, well, what shot are you trying to hit? You've not said any of that. So I've got literally, you're just saying words. What you're saying as a mixture of feel and real ideas. So what of them is actually feel or really happening? So for me to give you advice would actually be inappropriate it would be like me phoning up my doctor now and saying oh big toe sore you know i want some i want some i want some drugs my big toe sore like they're just not gonna give me the drugs they're not gonna give me the magic juice unless i go in and they look at it and work it out and, and i get plenty of those questions still now and i just think well, how has golf coaching got to this we're not magicians. Like we're not well, it's funny, magicians. Funny you say that. You, you say do that, the work. I can yeah. push you down certain streets. It's funny you say that, mate. Because you know, having recently entered, you know, you played at the club that I coach at now. Yeah. 
And I was the, one of my biggest jobs is managing expectations of what's going to happen after this lesson, you know, like, okay. and I first, I have to find out, do you want to play good right now? Or do you help be a little better right now? Or do you want to go on a little journey and improve your golf swing? And that's a different yeah. lesson, it seems. But the amount of people uh, that have the expectation, it's almost, I liken it to, hey, I took a basketball lesson and now I want to dunk like Jordan. Like there's, yeah, still, like there's still an athleticism and a, and yeah. a skill proponent to this that needs to be um, acknowledged, you know, and yes. that's, I, I see it in bunker lessons too. I'm like finding the bottom of the arc and, you know, I'll give a lesson to someone and they're like, they can't quite get there. And I'm like, you know, for you to hit this far underneath the ball, just behind it, there's some of that that's, I can teach you some technique stuff, but some of it just comes down to doing it, right? Yeah, 100%. Um, you control the club. So yeah, it's, um, it's really interesting. It's one of the few sports I find where we are just wrapped up in, hey, this, le- this lesson is going to fix everything. And yeah. uh, the reality is no. yeah but i mean golf coaching is to blame for that as well golf coaching did advertise itself in a golden period of coaching where it was fixing and it made a champion like you got faldo was made by the lessons of like i always think and not 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 putting david ledbetter down because what he's achieved in coaching and with his students he's a phenomenal teacher and changed the face of coaching in so many positive ways um and i admire him in every way but i also there's a big part of me that thinks well we've got zero data on how good faldo would have been without any of those changes if you look at his swing from the days before he went robo Tronic. Um, he was very loose, lead foot up, long, deep arms, like more of where the modern ideas are going now. And I don't know. And only would t- I reckon he probably would have hit it much harder than he does now back then. Are supply chain issues still disrupting your operations? Graybar has you covered. As a leader in distribution of electrical, communications, data networking, and industrial products, Professionals across the country rely on Graybar's nationwide logistics network to get them what they need, when and where they need it, and within budget. Operating with one clear mission, to serve as the vital link in the supply chain, adding value for customers and suppliers with innovative solutions and services. Their nationwide logistics network, with over 290 locations across the country, assist owners and professionals with building and maintaining the operations in our electrical, communications, and industrial world by getting them what they need, when and where they need it, and within budget. Being able to effectively navigate supply chains to get products on-site and on-time is crucial these days, and Graybar's nationwide logistics network is a game-changer in keeping projects on task. To view more information on their services, head to graybar.com. That's G-R-A-Y-B-A-R dot com. Yep, Graybard does that. Uh, we've got no evidence to say that that was better, not to say that Faldo wasn't a fantastic major champion. and He is. It, it, that's not my point. But it's interesting. Sometimes I think with golf coaching, it's um, there's this kind of myth that the student definitely gets kind of... Um, easily suck it into and that's one of the biggest things i always did with my students uh, like you say manage expectations. it was expectations of what is going to happen in this lesson how much of it i can help them how much of it it's up to them and i just made it so clear it was up to them like i couldn't make it clearer that this is everything is in your hands all i can do is hopefully make you understand what those hands do or could try and do to improve it but again i used to say to students until you do it 
we got no idea if you can do it or not. I used to say things to students and they would say, well, that make me better, will it? And I would say, well, well, you haven't done it yet. How am I meant to know? I think it might. We need you to do it, monitor right. it, and then I can give you a better idea if it'll work or not. Yeah. Um, when it comes to taking lessons for you, Lou, is it a cry for help? Like, so when it comes to, you know, when should you take lessons? One of my key bits of advice for people <laughs> I work at range is like, if you're struggling, cry stop for struggling. help. <laughs> cry yeah, for help. Yeah, Come on. but what I mean, well, what I mean by that is students like people will come into the range and you serve them a token. So I'm an assistant pro and they come in and part of my job was I would have some time in the shop and I'd serve them a token. And you talk to people because you get bored. Oh, can I have a bucket of balls for the range, please? Yeah, so how's it going? Oh, I'm struggling with my driver. Like as soon as you ask them, they would tell you something. Oh, I'm fat on my irons. Was like, and then I would say to them, well, do you want me to come and have a look? I'll come out and while well, you're in some shots and have a look. And they go, yeah, that would be amazing. And you go out there and like i would say to him like why have you been struggling like this how long have like this is such an easy fix this is actually a really simple little fix to get you just enjoying this a bit more um so like for those people if you've got if there's a cry if you're struggling with something definitely take a lesson when should you take a lesson if you're struggling with something pros can go and give you the information what you need to make it better lou for you how would you use your lessons it's to stop the shanks it's to improve it's to hit it longer what's your cry for help for lessons uh where do i start so i first i want to go back <laughs> to your original question about when should you take a lesson and yeah i think you should you should start taking lessons as early on in your golf journey as you possibly can. Um, and I remember when my, when my daughter started, so the very first time she started the junior program at the golf course, um, their very first day, there was you know, dozens of kids there, many of them, which had never really played before, um, hardly swung a golf club before. And it was really interesting to see those brand new kids who had literally had a golf club in their hand, you know, two, three times. Uh, it was interesting to see how some of them were just very naturally inclined to move the club in a pretty decent way. And then there yeah. were some that were naturally inclined to move the club in a way that was like, that's not like, that's not what we need to do here. Um, so I, I think some people just by, by luck, are predisposed to move the club in better ways than others. Um, I did not fall into that bucket and I moved the club in some pretty interesting ways and I never got lessons when I first started. And I wish that I would have, because I think I would have been put down a better path. Now I figured out a way to make it work. Um, but uh, you know, it's Mark, you've seen my swing and you know that I do things that are, that are going to re result in some higher variance. Um, and, yep. and, and now I've gotten to a point where I've, I've swung so many times with that move that as I'm going through making changes right now, it's hard. It's very hard to make those changes because yep. I've been doing, I've had the same pattern for, you know, coming up on 30 years now. Um, so it's hard to make those changes. Um, so the, I think the time to get a lesson as early on as possible. And then, you know, as far as what to work on, um, I don't want this to sound like a, like a plug for, for, you know, something like Arcos, cause I'm, I'm, I'm part of them, but what you should be working on really in, in a lot of ways should be tied to what you're good at and what you're bad at. So you yeah, really want to, totally. you, you want to, for most people, 
focusing on the things that you are not as good at is is a path to uh, get getting a lot better uh, as quickly as possible. So like understanding what you need to work on, I think is a big part of the equation. And the and the best way to understand what you need to work on is by keeping track of your stats. You know, Greg played on the PJ tour for years. He's playing this week. You know, he has the luxury of having access to ShotLink. Um, you know, there's a, a an army of hundreds of volunteers with lasers that keep track of everything. Um, and so Greg has access to some great stats that are very accurate. You know, the rest of us, we need to we need to track that with something so that you know what to work on. Um, so for me, like I, my ball striking is has always been suspect. Um, I'm a great putter for me to take a putting lesson would be a complete complete waste of time. There's not a lot of uh, meat on that bone for me, uh, but my full swing, there's, there's lots of opportunities for me to get better there. Lots, <laughs> Plenty of, room meat for there. Yeah. lots of room for improvement for sure. Big meaty fleshy. Bone yeah, no doubt. Be, be gentle, yeah. be gentle. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you said something earlier, Greg, as well, which is quite interesting, which I've seen as I've traveled around the world. Um, you said as Australians, we get into the habit a little bit of, um, you know, good looking swings and what have you. And you do see it from nationality to nationality. So you saw it for a long period of time in the Swedish when they were having their boom. And I went yep. to Sweden. They We had an exchange at our club with, with a Swedish club. Um, and it was very golf by numbers. So they all looked a certain way. It was a real kind mm. of treadmill of golf swings that came out. And then what was really interesting is watching Sweden over the years as they developed, just run away from that culture in their coaching. And, and coaching in different countries absolutely does follow certain trends that aren't always just just global um what about taking lessons when you're playing well that's a common thing people say like and students used to ask me that you know should i take a lesson when i'm only struggling you know like i say if you are struggling come and see me and like don't struggle Let, let's see if we can beat the struggles and they would often ask about you know should i come for a lesson when i'm playing well so we can see what i'm doing good or bad have either of you got any thoughts on those ideas um, I'll, I'll start there. Um, and I'll, I'll be, be brief. Um, even when you're playing well, I mean, there's four parts of the game off the tee or approach play around the green and putting. And, and that's how, you know, strokes gain typically gets classified. And even though when you're playing well, there's always one of those categories where you can improve, you always have a weaker category that you can work on. So, um, you know, if you are a phenomenal ball striker and, and your iron play has just been superb, um, and for whatever your skill level is, you're gaining, gaining strokes against your skill level. Um, I wouldn't necessarily work on that. Um, but if you have a category where you're losing strokes, um, that's something I would focus on. Even when you're playing well, um, I, I think that's a, a way to attack it. Yep. Greg, what about well, yourself? Think, would you would you see your coach when everything was going really good and just think like, why is this going good? Can we bottle any of this? Those kind of uh, ideas. Yes, definitely. Particularly as we enter the era where you can measure stuff and yeah. pretty very accurately. So yes, um, take notes or mental notes or videos or you know track man numbers or whatever. Um, yeah. So you got so you got a blueprint to what you could come back to if you get off off track off kilter. Um, I. I wasn't a big fan of being, I would probably say to him, hey, don't say much on my coach. Hey, don't say much because yeah. I play great today. Um, yeah. I think for, at an amateur level, at, you know, for general, if you're really enjoying the game, 
and you don't want to throw another iron into that fire, I'd just leave it alone for a little while because yep. trust me, bad golf's probably coming up soon. So you yeah, might, yeah. You know, you'll need to work on something at some point. Yeah. Um, I, I'll know, always but, be here. Right. Door, door, my right. door's always open. Right. So yeah, you want to, you want to kind of measure that with how much, you know, I've got, I'm teaching some people right now and at my club and a couple of them are really happy with how they're playing and they yeah. book in for a lesson occasionally. And I'm like, well, I don't know if we really need to do much. Um, yeah, yeah. You're enjoying your golf because ultimately it comes down to how you're enjoying what you're doing, right? And yeah. for someone like Lou, he, he likely really enjoys the journey of learning. Some people just like, hey, I really had a great day at the golf course today. You know, yeah. so, you know, my dad's a great example of that. He's not interested in practicing or doing that. He's 76. Nothing's going to change. It's still a 50-yard yeah. cut. So just yeah. don't practice, right? <laughs> yeah. So, don't, you, I mean, his idea of a warm-up is two beers. So yeah, I think, yeah. I think that's that has to be the, the Aussie warm up. <laughs> right, right. You don't want to you don't waste your good ones. Um, so yeah, so I think you've got to marry that with uh, you know, if you're enjoying your game, you can you can go get a lesson, but I, I wouldn't throw too much this guy, too many spanners into that into the works because uh, you might yeah. find you're not playing as well anymore pretty soon. Yeah, absolutely. And I yeah, I used to say that to students. I used to say to them, they would say, when should I come back? And I would say to them, honestly, I would say, well, hopefully never. And I don't mean that rude, but I'm only generally seeing you when there's a hole. So if you don't come back, you either hate me and you've moved away. And to be fair, that's cool because I don't want to teach anyone who doesn't want to be at my lesson tea. Like, because personalities don't always work for lessons i've been to lessons with people who weren't going into depth and wanted to work too much on feel-based ideas and i've been to lessons with people who are really in depth and measuring everything and they turn me on they're the kind of people i want to go and see and i'm not saying that one coach is better than another it's just that's what i wanted from my lessons that's what i feel i need to to learn so students would say like you know when should i see you next i see you next week and i used to say to them well a, I would rather not see you next week. Oh, Business-wise, yes, yeah, see you next week. Book you in another 50 quid, please. Bang, lovely. But I would say, no, well, hopefully I won't see you next week unless things are struggling and you're struggling with the ideas we've got. And also, you told me you play once a week. So seeing you next week, there's no data. There's no, you've got, you've collected no ideas of uh, how, if this has worked or not. And then if I'm having to change something again, for your emotional state next week, not based on facts, because you don't want me to say the same thing because you got frustrated with it last time, whatever, then we're not really going anywhere. So I would say, no, you know, leave it. I want at least four rounds played if you're only playing once a week or, or you know, if, you, if you've got two or three practice sessions in between, then maybe we could see you next week. As long as you've hit enough shots with the ideas I've given you, for you to come back and have questions for me. I want you to come back and go, I did what you said, but I now hook my hybrid. I did what you said, seven iron spot on, but my driver keeps cutting. Brilliant. Come back. I can answer those questions. Those questions can be answered because I see those patterns. But if you're just coming back for a recap of what we've just done, well, generally it means you've not practiced enough. And I'm happy for you to pay me to watch you practice. Like, But if you want to get golf lessons aren't cheap, if you want to get your money's worth, Maybe let's have some data between. Uh, Lou, you had something to say there. Sorry, what was what was your point? You well, you were well, gonna. Uh, Greg uh, mentioned something earlier about technology and being able to accurately measure um, what we're doing, and I, I think that's a big piece of the puzzle. And and that's one yeah. thing that I've really been focusing on here as I've been going through lots of swing changes. Uh, and you know, I have a hack. So, uh, Greg, I'm sure you've stood in front of a mirror more than once or twice in your life, right? 
looking every looking day. At your, yeah, every day yeah. positions. <laughs> so I have a, yeah. I've been going through a lot of uh, position work, and instead of using a mirror, um, I I use a laptop, and I use my iPhone and my iPad. And what I do is I start up a Zoom meeting, and I put my laptop on the ground at my feet with the with the um, laptop screen facing up towards me. And I connect my phone to the Zoom meeting and I connect my iPad to the Zoom meeting. And I, I set up one camera down the line and one camera face on, and then I can get into my positions and I can just look straight down at the laptop screen. And I see both the face on and down the line view um, just in a regular Zoom meeting. Um, and it's been, it's been great. And you know, I, I go through a number of different things in slow motion and then I'll turn everything off and I'll, I'll record something and I'll go back and, and rewatch it. And I think video um, I think it can get overused, but for somebody like me, it's been extremely helpful to, to kind of bridge the gap between feel and real. Like I'm trying to make some very specific changes and I'll make a swing and I'll think that was just perfect. And then I'll yeah. rewatch the tape and go, oh, it looks exactly the same as every other one I've ever done. It doesn't look any different. And so leveraging that technology and going through those slow motion moves uh, and then turning it off and recording something and trying to hit the same spots and then going back has been really helpful. So I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of that technology, depending on what you're trying to do. Lou, it's funny. It's funny you say that because I've you know I've just entered this entering the teaching world and I'm an example would be I did a chipping clinic with three people the other day and just getting people to take practice swings to practice oh, a yeah, new yeah, motion yeah. and yeah. just getting them. I swear they chipped in an hour that between three of them, I think they chipped there's 75 balls in each bucket. I think they chipped about 450 to 500 balls on the green. And it was just this cannon of balls just keep shooting out. And I had to say, Hey, pause guys. I'd rather we did 50 just correctly in an hour mm. with some practice swing and some moves um or just stop like what's the and a lot of the feedback you get given is as the coach hey that doesn't feel any different i'm like well that's because you didn't do what i said <laughs> you know that's that's you know they're not they're not doing that and i sent one of my students i sent them a video of tiger woods he was making that move where he's he's trying to stop coming up and early you know early extending and he's doing this move where he looks like he's sitting down on a bathroom on a seat you know, like on a toilet, yeah. he just really pushing his butt back. And it's a practice move. It's exaggerated. And I sent that to him. He goes, oh, wow, he's really, he's not going to swing like that. I said, no, he's not. But it's a feel that he's trying to get that we'd all, you know, some people I'm trying to get them to change the way they move, but they don't practice the motion in slow motion like you talk about, Lou, or just one or two practice swings, feeling the difference of what it's going to be like. Um, I implore people, please, you know, get in front of a mirror. We spend all the time. I think pros spend a lot of time working on body movement versus yeah. versus just hitting a ball. You know what I mean? Yeah. They really get yeah. into you know, moving. Yeah. Of course, of course, practice is so valuable when it comes to trying to move your body, moving it away from the objective of trying to send a ball to the target can be non-powerful like useless but equally as powerful if the information is good i mean i've done it in another sport i've said it before maybe a couple of times in the podcast i played tennis as a hobby and my backhand was weak i turned it into my stronger suit my backhand is now stronger than my forehand and i did all that practice 99 percent of that was off 
caught. It was in my daughter's bedroom when she was younger and she wasn't great at sleeping. And I used to stand in there in front of the reflection in her big window so I could see myself and just kept doing backhand actions. And my backhand is now better than my forehand. That was done away on the court. I would just resort to my slice because it went in, it was reliable, but it just wouldn't win me games. And now I can hit a double-handed top spin backhand as I, I, I've just got a shot and it was all off course. And I used to say this to students, um, there's, you know, I haven't got much time to practice. I don't get much chance to get to the range, all those kind of things. If you actually want this, the, the answers are there. You've just got to want it. You've just got to want to be boring enough to do that mirror work or that reflection work or that, Zoom yourself work because you zoom yourself, Lou. Like, basically, you've just told us that you zoom I, yourself. I'm zooming myself. <laughs> do, you, and... do you send yourself a little email? <laughs> I, I invite my hey, team. Lou, I join do. your practice session. <laughs> exactly, that's what I do. And you know, I have you know, Greg's point about you know, quality over over quantity. Like when I'm going through some of my sessions, I'll I'll set up, I'll zoom myself, and I, and I'll get that uh, the, that environment all set up. <laughs> Um, and yeah. I'll go through 10 to 15 slow motion repetitions of, of a swing. Um, and then I'll stop and I'll take a real swing that I video and then I'll review that swing and I'll take a look at it. And then I'll go back and do 10 slow motion repetitions. I mean, it, it, it almost takes me when I do that, I'll only hit, you know, 15 balls in an hour. Um, yeah. because I'm, it, right. I'm taking forever to go through and do what I'm trying to work on. Um, and sometimes I feel like I should just be hitting more balls, but I, I know that the movement pattern I'm trying to change requires a lot of that effort. And, um, it, it it's, um, it's a long journey, especially for somebody like me, that's trying to make some big changes and has been doing it a certain way for almost three decades. It's, it's, um, it's tough. It's, it's hard. Yeah. And if you're listening this, to this pod and you're thinking that's just not you, then be aware as well. And I agree with Lou. That's how I would kind of try and learn it as well. But I've met plenty of students who would absolutely never do it that way. They do need to function. They, you, you change their movement patterns by other ways. You do get them by hitting ball after ball after ball and in quite quick uh, succession and you put different things in the way of them or whatever. You force them to make that move. Again, if you're listening to that thinking, well, I wouldn't do it like that. Yeah, there's plenty of people who would and there's plenty of people who, who wouldn't. And that's the thing you'll learn with coaching as you do it more is that you just... There's never a right way. There's only a right way for that student. At the end of the day, if you, I've said this loads in the podcast, if I say to a student, think of custard and they hit better shots because they think of custard, when they come, I'm just going to keep showing them a bowl of custard if it works. Like it, it literally, I literally used to say to people, I don't care what I say to you as long as you start hitting better shots, however we define what better shots are. And for some people that is repetition, repetition, no ball, mixture of ball, those kind of things as well. Yeah, um, the, uh, the other thing I want to add in that I think is important, and Greg talked about this earlier, is you know the work that I'm going through right now isn't just simply to have a different looking swing. It's to have more effective oh, ball flight. Yeah, it's it's being that. more functional. And, and my big focus is on 
um, my ball flight and, and what my club Good. is doing and the consistency of what it's doing. So, you know, those are the yeah. things that I'm really, truly measuring. Um, and those are the things that are, that are important to me and, and, um, getting that, um, that repetition in my ball flight and that consistency, um, and, uh, you know, hitting the things I'm trying to hit. Hopefully that makes, that makes sense. Yeah, it totally does. It, it, yeah, it totally does. So last point then just to finish on, when should you take lessons? What about online lessons? I know Greg, you do online lessons. If you can do, give yourself a little plug here for online lessons. Anyone want to, uh, skillless putting, putting yep. lessons skillless putting yeah there you yep. go um i've done a few online lessons i kind of do online lessons in a different format but i don't do kind of one-to-one so much online lessons and i know uh lou you are engaged in online lessons now um for some poor guy in canada i <laughs> uh, you know i think i think they are amazing <laughs> because you know we're at a point now where like I can send him all of the You've got output. data to send. I have done, I have a lot of data. So if you're, if you're like me, so I have a Bushnell, um, which is a GC three essentially. So uh, for yeah. those that use GC quad, I have the same data coming out so I can send him that data. Um, I have those soles that you can put into your, into your shoes that give you uh, pressure traces. So I can send him that data. Uh, I have a hack motion for my wrists. I can send him hack motion data. So I send him all of this and, data. And you have your on-course stats that you collect as well. And, I, and you yeah, do basically have stats. every base covered. So I have every base covered. And it's it's amazing to be able to, well, you guys both know a ton about the swing. I could send you all of those things. You could look at it. And without seeing me swing at all, you would be you would at least have an inkling of, of things you would want to pursue without seeing a swing at all. So having good data in the online world, along with sending, you know, good quality video, I, I think your instructor can be anywhere in the world. Um, they could be anywhere. So if you, if you want to take a putting lesson from Greg, um, go on Skillist and you can, you know, can connect with literally one of the best putters in the shot link era, which is, is pretty amazing. It's pretty you cool, know? isn't it? Yeah, yeah, pretty cool. Twenty years ago, I, that was impossible. Now I you tell you what, what I What I found. We well, would you'd have to have heckled him at, like at Pebble Beach twenty years ago, wouldn't you, Greg? Yeah. I keep missing him on the low side. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Yeah, it gives you an option there to um, wind me up. Um, I tell you what I what I found. Uh, I'm really enjoying the online community uh, from the teaching standpoint because all the students that I'm getting are fully invested and are wanting to do it and want time, want to put the yeah. work in to get better. And that's the part yeah. that I've really enjoyed about it. I think the, the misconception might be that you don't get, it's not as good. It's got some positives and negatives, you know, like it's not as good as standing right in front of the person. Um, but unless you live where I live, you can't do that. So yeah. um, I, I'm really enjoying it though, because I found that the people are, are very much invested in trying to improve and it's a part of their game because I'm only dealing in one area of the game. Um, it's a part of the game that there's there's quite often a lot of room for improvement. So I haven't had yeah, Lou like Paul because Lou's doing very well. So yeah, he's a, he's a very God, good putter. You see. Uh, yeah. But you, I mean, that leads me on to my final point to wrap this session up. It's been a great one, and hopefully everyone's got something from it. But uh, you kind of nailed it there, Greg, with that last comment. And this is as when when you teach as many people as you will teach as you go and I have done and what have you and seen over the years of playing and I've seen it over years of coaching when should you take a lesson well you need to want to take a lesson the worst lessons in the world are the ones 
of the people who don't really want to be there. And I know that sounds shocking because people think, well, why would you pay for a lesson if you don't want to be there? I have taught plenty of people who come thinking that I can wave some magic stick. They don't want to do any work. And then when you show them they have to do any work, you think you can see their heart drop. They are the worst lessons. And whenever I've been busy coaching, I don't mean this rude to anyone, but when I was busy coaching and people were queuing up to see me, I would get them out of my door as quick as possible. I would say to them, I, like, we're done. I don't, I, you, I'm trying harder than you. And that, that's not how this works. Like I'll try equally as hard as you. I can't try harder than you because I'm not your mum or dad. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Right. Like my kids, I'll try harder than them because I want them to be the much better version of me that they already are. But if you're coming for a lesson, it's one session of me trying other than you and I'm struggling for another one. So when it comes to when should you take a lesson, you should totally want to. And what Greg says there about the online community being so engaged, I totally agree and see that. I've seen that with the online community that I've taught in the limited amount I've done the online lessons. You know, you it's a much more committed golfer to learning who does that because it is a bit more of a bigger step, isn't it? Um, right. So you do need to be in a good mindset to learn. And I used to say this, my, my wife's a teacher, um, teaches primary school. So she, she, you know, she's teaching kids how to learn. She's not only teaching them, but she's teaching them how to learn, how to, where to sit, what the protocols are, how you go to assembly and back, you know, the, the really basic stuff that you just take for granted at school as you get older. And I remember coming back and saying to her, some of these middle-aged, relatively successful men and women, they don't know how to learn. Like I'm having to almost teach them how to listen and learn. And like one of the things as a primary school, if you go into primary school, they'll constantly say, are we doing good listening? Everybody listening? Because kids tend to not listen. That They're out there off scratching their noses and flicking someone next to them and the rest of it so you've got to want to go in there and want to learn and be infused and excited about what's going to come out if you want the most out of a that coach annual lessons I, I always think is that fair Lou or does that sound a bit nasty no I think that's fair I don't have I don't have a problem with that yeah Greg yeah. What, what, what do you think no look you're absolutely right you have to if you're going to get lessons you have to be prepared just be prepared that like I, I'll give you this quote that I got from a lady recently, I gave her a lesson and she said, gee, I'm going to have to actually practice this a little bit, aren't I? And I said, <laughs> maybe just a hair, I don't know, yeah. one or two balls here or there. Should be yeah. able to get it. And I always used to joke with my coach when he would give me something new to work on. I'm like, I should have this here in five minutes. Like, are we good? Right. And, he, and yeah. he'd be like, yeah, sure. And you know, cause some of the stuff I've worked on, it took me a year, two years, you know, before it finally yeah. started to work. Cause it's got to work for us. It's got to work not just on the range, but on the golf course and on the golf course under pressure, right? Yeah. And if all of that gels in, we've made a good change and well done. Um, but yeah, just just know that you're going to go on a little journey and, and appreciate the journey of getting better and, and do a little practice on it. Even if it's just, please, just get in front of the mirror and practice a move or a, a yeah. body motion or something. And um, Because I think sometimes we all fall into the trap of the still pictures that guys post on Instagram or whatever, and they make these changes look like it's just a piece of cake you know, yeah, when it's, yeah. it's just not, you know, to make a big change in motion. So um, yeah, just enjoy the, the effort and the practice and because uh, golfers work sometimes, you know, you got to, you got to put a little love into it. 
Yeah, absolutely. There you go. When should you take lessons? Definitely, if you're struggling, please take lessons. Don't You don't need to look at drivers and irons, and even though there can be gains and stuff found in them, so many people go that route when I just think, cool, if you just nudge that grip across a little bit, your launch would improve, your distance would probably go up 12 yards, you're only going to get four out of a driver, and you would reduce the curvature by 15. Like, and, But you're trying at what shaft, in what head, with what? blooming hot melt in the back of what head and i just think like why, why don't you just grip it half decent there's an idea for you um so definitely if you're struggling get out there and get some help there's plenty of great coaches out there and definitely don't be afraid to use the online community for plenty of really good online coaches now the world is definitely changing and i agree with greg and lou there i think the online coaching side can be done successfully if you work with the right people uh thanks guys as always um thanks for listening everybody um catch you in the next podcast remember to leave stars if you're enjoying the podcast and some reviews that let us know how we're getting on